talk with you for a few minutes this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. And this is going to be a standalone message as we talk today about the transformational power of the love of God. And I want to actually tie this into a larger theme that I've been meditating on for the past few months. As we ended our assignment uh, to preach on and teach on the eight invitations that God has for us in the year of 2015, one of the things that I began processing with our staff and processing with our life group leaders as I'm looking towards the latter half of the year is I believe that one of the things that God wants to do here in the house, one of the prominent themes that he wants to elevate in the house of God here is he wants to elevate our view of the word of God. Now we preach the word week in and week out. We place a high value. We place a high uh, importance on the word. Uh, we don't just skim over the word. We, we really try to dive in and delve in to what the word of God is saying. But even with that, I believe that God is wanting to elevate our view of the word of God in the house of Antioch. In every arena of our life, in every way that that fleshes out, from the personal, the individual, uh, to our families, to life groups, to, to engaging with the word of God on a daily basis, and even the place and the position of the word on the corporate level, I believe that God's just wanting to elevate our um, view of the word. And so I, I say all that to create a semblance of a context for what I'm going to be talking about today. So look with me, if you would, at 1 Timothy, and we're going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Now, I'll just pause right here because this really gives us the purpose of the book. One of the principles in exegesis or one of the principles in studying the Bible is you always want to understand why that particular writing was written because there's different types of literature in the scriptures. The Psalms are different than the Chronicles. Um, the wisdom literature is different than the Gospels. The Gospels are different than the Epistles, which are very simply the letters that were written to the churches. This is a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son, but essentially, it was a letter that was written to the church there that Timothy was overseeing. And we find out that there was an issue that was going on at the church at Ephesus. As Paul had departed from Ephesus, certain people came in, and they just started teaching some strange stuff. And so Paul now is writing this letter to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, I need you to set things in order. And how do we set things in order doctrinally? How do we set things in order uh, belief system-wise? How do we set things in order even in our conduct? We set things in order with truth that is taught. And that's what we see here. Look at verse 4. Nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Again, we're having a, a little bit of an understanding what's happening here. Guys, we're getting tied up talking about myths and endless genealogies and, and trying to posture their spiritual authority based on genealogies. And Paul's saying, listen, that is not 
the purpose of the teaching of the word and the teaching of the gospel. Look at verse five here. This is very important. He says, but the goal of our instruction is love. I'm gonna stop right there. The goal of our instruction is love. Now, I've read First and Second Timothy a lot. Two of my favorite epistles in the New Testament. I cut my teeth from the moment I began reading the word on First and Second Timothy because of my passion for leadership and my passion for ministry. I knew that First and Second Timothy really is, it's the minister's manual. It's the minister's handbook from a sage in the faith to a young son. And so I just devoured it over and over and over again. And all the times that I've read this, I've always read this from the vantage point that Paul was saying, listen, the reason why we are teaching you all these things, the motivation or the source of us teaching you these things is love. And as I was meditating on this a few weeks ago, I realized that's not what Paul is saying. The word there, goal, let's put the scripture back up if we could. He says the goal of this instruction, the word goal is the word telos. You may have heard that word telos, where we get the word teleological. It means end. It means purpose. So let's just pull those words out and put them back in. In other words, Paul is saying the end result or the purpose of our instruction the word instruction here means our commands. It means the things that we are announcing. It means the things that we are preaching, proclaiming, and pronouncing to you. Now let's put it together. He's saying the end result or the purpose that we desire in our teaching and instruction of the word week in, week out is love. Not just our motivation, but our destination. Now, it, now, listen, guys, I've been, I've been chewing on this and chewing and chewing and chewing and thinking and staying up late and writing and wondering and praying and, and, and pondering all this. And like a grenade, I think this is going to go off here in a little bit. Everything that deals with what we do as it relates to the word, it's not just so that you can become smarter. It's not just so that you can become more equipped. It's not just so that you can answer arguments. It's not just so that you can have great responses to people that don't believe the same way that you believe. The goal of our instruction from the personal devotional level to the corporate apostolic and prophetic level, the goal of this instruction is that we would mature in love. Now, it's not something that we hear often as it relates to the preaching and teaching and indoctrination and instruction of the word. We very rarely hear that the purpose of the word is for us to mature in love. Somehow, I think we categorize that differently and we, we compartmentalize love into this different thing over here. Maybe we think about worship and we think about love and intimacy with God or we think about communion and we think about community. But Paul here is saying the reason why we are teaching you the word the end result of everything that we are teaching you is that you would learn how to love like God loves. So in other words, we could say that the test or the measurement or the result, or here's a great word, the fruit of whether or not you and I are really growing in the word is whether or not we're growing in love. That is the fruit. It's not how we war. It's, that's not the fruit. That's not the measuring stick. It's not how well we teach. 
That's not the measuring stick. It's not how well we refute apologetically those that stand as enemies and who oppose truth. That's not the measuring stick because I know a lot of people who have a lot of truth and a little bit of love. That's why the word exhorts us in Ephesians 4 to speak the truth in love because the measuring stick of maturity in Christ is not knowledge. The measuring stick of maturity in Christ is not a lot of stuff that we can quote. I remember when I first got married and I was still operating under such a strong religious works orphan mentality, I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would go to my wife and I'd say, well, uh, how much time did you spend with God today? Because, you know, I'm sure you probably heard me praying and... Um, I really didn't hear you praying in the other room. And uh, how many scriptures uh, are you memorizing today? Because, you know, I'm memorizing quite a bit. But in all of our interactions, you know who the one who was more gracious? It wasn't me. Do you know who the one who was more patient? Do you know who, who the one who was who was less accusing and less critical? It wasn't me. It was, it was the one over here who wasn't spending as much time in the word. <laughs> now, I don't say that to indict my wife on how much she is or isn't in the word. The point here being is it's not how much you're in the word. It's how much you're letting the word get in you and transform you. At the end of the day, you could raise people from the dead and still miss it. At the end of the day, you could prophesy and miss it. At the end of the day, you could be someone nobody wants to be around, even though you are a scholar in the word. But the goal of our instruction is love. That's the goal. And it's love as he defines what love is. Now, let me talk with you here for a few minutes about the transformational power of the word as it works itself out in love. See, I cut my teeth on Romans 12, one and two. Therefore, brothers, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but therefore be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I took such a mechanical, methodological approach to that. If I just memorize the word, the word will change me. And there is an element of truth to that. There is an element of truth to that. But when it's done out of the wrong source and it's done out of the wrong spirit and it's done out of the wrong posture, we miss the transformational power of the word of God. We miss it because this is not just a textbook. Now, let me, let me insert a thought and then we'll just keep moving. How many of you would say, according to the word of 1 John 4, God is love? We all agree with that, right? How many of you would agree in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we can say that God is love. We all agree, yes? Can we all agree that the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Can we say that the Word is God? Do you understand? Are you, are you, we're going to unpack that more in the future, but this right here, the Word, the Word is God. So we can say that God is love, and we can say the Word is God. So then we can also say that the word, the word of God is love. 
There is a transaction that takes place in our relationship with the word. Let me say it like this. There is a relationship with the word of God because the word is alive. The word is living. The word is a person. The word is not just knowledge. The word is the revelation of the character and the nature and the heart of God. So, so we can read the word. One of the ways that we can read the word is through a relational engagement with the word of God. Meaning this, every time you and I approach the word, from the corporate to the individual, there is a revelation of the character and the nature of God, not just from a mental ascent standpoint. There is a relationship with God that is waiting for us to discover as we engage in the relationship with his word. Here's, here's, here's just a classic example. If your spouse or your friend or someone wrote you a letter, you would not just read that letter as a literary piece of work analyzing and examining and dissecting every grammatical word that was you you wouldn't do that you would you would you would think about you would engage with that person's personality you would hear that person's voice when the you would hear inflections as you read certain things you would go oh my god that sounds just like right come on and, and, and you, you, would, you would hear high points and you would hear low points and, and your heart would become joined to that person through the words that that person conveyed because a word is very simply an extension, an expression of who that person is. And so when we read and engage with the word of God, we're engaging with God himself, God who is love. And so listen, I, I want to revolutionize our approach to the word of God. I want us to build a deeper relationship with the word of God. I want us to discover God through the words that he's writing. And the beautiful thing about God is because he's so eternal and so infinite and he's so multifaceted that we can learn things about him through the historical writings that he wrote. And we can learn things about the wisdom nuggets that he uh, displayed to us. And we can learn things through the poetic words that he wrote to us. And we can learn things uh, through the words that he taught taught to the churches relationally and how they were so dysfunctional and needed to get things in order. And all of those things are revealing a part of the heart of God. It's exciting. And when we approach the word as, you know, a, a, a memo or a facsimile from someone that we just have to memorize to, to give some PowerPoint presentation, that's dead. That is dead. How many of you guys can, can say in your journey that there have been times and seasons in your interaction with the word when you didn't always approach it like a son or a daughter? You didn't always approach it from the standpoint of grace. You didn't always approach it out of a transaction of love. You didn't, you didn't find the heart of God in the words of God. How many of you guys could say that you've experienced that? I think that God's inviting us to discover his heart through his words. Not just, watch this, not just the words that other people have written about God that we sing, which are amazing, but the words that God himself has chosen to insert into history that are an expression of who he is. 
Out of all the words that have been used and through meticulous processes of people that have come together to produce what we have academically called the canon of scripture, I believe emphatically with everything inside of me that this is the revealed character and nature and will of God himself. And I believe that as I develop a relationship with God's words, my heart is being joined to the God of those words. And that's what I'm here to encourage you in this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of, oh, let's see here. Let me, I'm running out of time. Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter one. And I want to talk with you about three things that the word of God transforms inside of us through or by the love of God. Number one, God transforms our mindsets through his word. And we could preach on this for weeks, but we're just gonna do a survey today. God transforms our mindsets. Now, what do I mean by that? Look with me, if you would, at the book of Colossians chapter one, and we're gonna look here at a couple of verses. We'll begin in verse 13. It says, he has delivered us, this is speaking of God, through Jesus, has delivered us or rescued us. Some translations say he has translated us from the domain or the dominion or the rulership of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his son. Now let me just translate that here very quickly. Before you and I came into a conscious acceptance of the grace of God demonstrated through the death and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, before we got into the family by faith and what Jesus did not and what we do, before that happened, we belonged to the rulership of Satan himself. Now, I know some of you say, well, I was born ever since I was, I was, I was saved since I was born. Wrong. Sounds good, unbiblical. Your mom and dad might have been saved. You might have grown up into a great Christian home, but you were born as a prisoner of sin. You were born as a creature of sin. You were born a selfish, carnal creature of sin until you came unto a place that you recognized the grace of God demonstrated through Jesus and you accepted that and you called out for that. So all of the world was born into sin. And how the love of God and the word of God transforms us, number one, it transforms our mindsets from enemies to friends. Look right here, if you would, at Colossians chapter one, look at verse 21. It says, and though you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. I like the way the NIV says, it, it says, though at one point you were enemies with God. Now, we don't like to think about that, but the sin nature is, is an enemy with God. You know, the antichrist spirit is rooted out of the sin nature. You and I actually uh, harbored an antichrist attitude towards God before we had the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Am I losing anyone? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? That without the spirit of God inside of us, Everything about us stood opposed to God. 
Even the good things that we tried to do were still done in opposition to God because the good things that we did were done to validate us, not validate him. And so you were born as an enemy of God, but Jesus said this, he says, no longer do I call you my servants, but now I call you my friends. Jesus said, I am going to pursue you and I'm gonna win you and I'm gonna woo you and I'm gonna transform you and I'm gonna turn you from an enemy into a friend of God. One of my good pastor friends had a guest minister in by the name of Dr. A.R. Bernard who pastors a wonderful church in New York City there in Brooklyn. And Pastor Bernard's story was that he was at one point of his journey, a part of the Black Panthers. Very just full of hate, full of violence and animosity. And at the church that he was preaching at, the preacher there was a wonderful white man. And Dr. Bernard said, without the love of Christ dwelling inside of me, I considered this man, and he pointed to the pastor, he considered this man an enemy. I considered this man someone who was against me and opposed to me and someone who, if I needed to, I would even take out his life. But then when you look at the transformational power of the love of God. Now listen, the word without love does not transform. The word without love makes us good religious orphans. The lo- the, watch this, watch this. The word without love is law. Let that settle in. The word without love is law. It is simply a command to be followed. It is a code to walk by. It is an impossible standard to find. You will never, ever, ever fulfill the word of God without the power of the love of God. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, you will know that you are growing as you grow in love. It'll just work itself inside of you. The second thing that he transforms in our mindset, so this is number number one, letter B, is that he transforms us from orphans to sons. Isn't that right? A couple of great verses here I'll just read for you. You You can follow along or you can write these down. Just incredible verses. This one's out of Romans 8, verse 15. The spirit that you receive does not make you a slave. A slave to what? A slave to the law. A slave to the word. We're not a slave to the word. We're sons. And there's a world of difference in the mentality of how a slave follows orders and how a son fulfills a father's heart. And as fathers and mothers in the natural, isn't it true that we're trying to get our children to understand our heart? Because when they miss our heart, then what they do is is they essentially, they try to satisfy our desire for them to do what we want them to do while at the same time really not doing what we want them to do, doing what they want to do. Did I lose anybody on that? Right? If they miss our heart, All they do is they just live by the letter of the law of what mom and dad asked. No, we want our children to get our heart. Because if they miss our heart when they leave our house, you know what will happen? They'll revert 
back. They'll revert back to what the desires of their own heart are. Now watch this. When they get our heart, our, our law, our commands, our instruction transforms their heart so that this is why they want to date the way that they do. This is why they want to present their way uh, in a respectable manner. This is why they carry themselves. This is why they go to church. This is why they have a relationship with God. Not so that they can fulfill a code while they're in our house that they just revert back to whenever they walk away. We've all heard the statistics that 4% of the next generation are still holding on to faith after they graduate from high school. Why is that? I believe it could be because we gave them law and we gave them word without a relationship with the love of the word. Where was, we, we, we didn't put the heart of God inside of them when we kept beating them over the head with the law of God. Word without love is law. Find the heart of God. I want my children to come to a place where they say, Daddy, I want to know your heart in this. Tell me why this is important to you. Tell me how this is going to change my life. Tell me how you discovered this. Tell me how this changed your life. Tell me how I want to know your heart behind you telling me this. See, when we have that posture towards the word of God, the word is a relational bridge to a person. It is a relational bridge. It is an expression of the very heart and the nature of God himself, who is a good, good father. Friends, he transforms us from orphans to sons. Number two, he transforms our motivation. Our motivation, this is what we've done. When we maintain a slave mentality, we simply trade bondage to the devil to bondage to the law. That's what we do, most of us. That's why Christianity is not very attractive to most people. Because at least bondage to the devil is satisfying to my flesh. Right? I'll party in the club all night long and it feels good. But then bondage to the law is nothing but guilt and condemnation and you could have and you should have it. Yeah, that was good, but you should have read another chapter. And you know, I'm really glad about those 30 minutes, but you could have really gone an hour in prayer. And yeah, that $20 was great, but why didn't you give 30? And if you had given 30, maybe you would have got that hundredfold return, but now you're just gonna get the 60-fold return. We just traded masters. We just traded bondage. But it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He did not save you. This is powerful. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Watch this, watch this. All eyes on me. He did not, he did not pay your debt and assume your debt so that now you would be a debtor to him. Anybody here uh, know who my good friend Sally is? All the college students know that when you signed up to go to college, right, you're just, you're just going through college, and then all of a sudden, all that debt that you skipped out on books, and you skipped out on meals, and you skipped out all, you know, you slept in, didn't go to class, oh yeah, you were paying somebody. And then, and then all of a sudden, this, you know, Sally comes along and says, you know, I'll go ahead and take that debt. That debt didn't go away. 
All she did was say, I'll take that debt. So now they're not paying you. They can pay me. That's the law. Jesus didn't assume your debt so that now you could be in debt to him. Jesus paid your debt in full. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Watch this. Watch this. No more payments. You didn't just change the name on the check and now I'm, you know, I'm going to start being good and I'm going to start going to church and I'm going to start praying and I'm going to start being nice and trying to be kind and now I'm just paying a different lender. No, the payments are done. No more debt. Gone. gone. Debt, gone. Your debt is gone. Your debt has been paid. You don't have to, well, watch this, you don't have to be good anymore. Do you know why? Because you are good. You don't have to work hard. You know why? Because someone else worked harder for you. And now you're free to love him as a son. Now you're free, watch this. Now you're free so that the motivation, what is that? The, the, the reason, the centering point, the starting point, the source, the motive of my actions is not from a place of doing this for. Now, if we're not careful, everything, it all, it's a great system. Everything in the Christian life is a great system. It plays on the manipulative force of us desiring to be free. So listen, you don't have to give for blessing. You give from blessing. I don't give so that I can get something back. I give out of the overflow of the abundance of what Jesus purchased and paid for me. I don't give so that I can somehow get the scraps of the resources of heaven. I give from the resources of heaven because Jesus paid a way for me to have access to the resources of heaven. I don't, I don't do things to get accepted. I do things from acceptance. I don't worship so that I can get victory. I do it from victory. Come on, talk to me in this place today. Everything now that we do, he has transformed our motivation. But the power of the law is found in this. You have to follow the law for, fill in the blank, whatever it is. If you want maturity, if you want character, if you want blessing, if you want victory, if you want acceptance, follow the law for these things. No, 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 no. I do these things from a place of the finished work of God. His love has conquered the law. And now I do all of these things from a place of one who belongs. I belong. I'm going to have a bad day sometimes and I'm not going to raise my hands. You know why? Because that's just life. And yes, I believe in the power of pressing through those things, but there's gonna be some days that I'm not gonna hit a home run, but you know what? I don't have to work my way into a place of victory. I'm there. Let me say something with you. This morning as we were singing this song, so powerful, I saw this in a new way. Uh, champion of heaven, you have paid a way for us to enter in. You know, do you know how you enter in? You just say yes. You don't, 
You don't praise your way in. You don't pray your way in. You don't confess your way in. You don't give your way in. You don't testify your way in. You don't witness your way in. You say, yes, I choose to come in because the champion of heaven has paid a way for me to say, you know, I think I'll go in today to the secret place. You know, I, I, I think I wanna hang out in the holy place today. You can go to the holy place. All you have to do is say by faith, through grace, I choose to enter in. Not because of what I've done, because of what he's done. Stop hanging out in the outer courts. Stop hanging out in the outer courts. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can just say, I choose to accept his righteousness. And listen, watch this, watch this. We don't enter in for blessing. We enter in from blessing. We don't enter in for sonship. We enter in from sonship. He wants his sons and daughters there. And the power of God's love expressed through his word transforms our motivations. Now, my, my daughter, I love my daughter so much. And uh, like her mom, she, she, she got a sweet tooth. She loves sweet tooth. And, um, you know, the thing about vacations is I kind of take the limits off. And uh, we just, we kind of go a little crazy. Uh, like donuts every day, let's do it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we were at Walmart where, you know, we, we pulled into this new town and, and my daughter, man, she's, she's so smart, but she'll, she'll try to, she'll try to trap me. And so she'll say, Hey daddy, Hey daddy, I, I saw a store over there. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she said, yeah, yeah, that store, that sells stores, sells donuts like the other store that we went to. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And just kind of left it alone. Then we got into Walmart and we're shopping around and then she rolls up and says, Oh, daddy. Look at these donuts. Don't these look good? I'm like, yeah, those, those are great. And then she'll go, hey, Daddy, man, mm, you know what really sounds good right now is those donuts really good. And I said, Milan, Milan, listen, you know, the funny thing is here is the whole time in my heart, before she said a word, I wanted to buy her donuts. But then I was like, listen, I don't want to buy you donuts now because you keep trying to trap me. You keep trying to trap me. Don't manip you don't have to, watch this, you don't have to manipulate the Father's heart. He wants to bless you. He wants to be near to you. You don't have to worship your way to closeness. You need to get this. He doesn't come closer because you worship harder or longer or deeper or because you got that ugly worship face. No, 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 no. He doesn't come closer because of that. He is always close, always. He's always near. And now our motivation isn't, you know, because I want to get close to you. I do things from a place of closeness because of what he's done. Third thing, he transforms by the power of his word manifested by his love is he transforms our mission. He transforms our mission. You know, I think that evangelism has gotten such a bad rap because we've done evangelism through law. And what makes you feel more guilty than someone's blood on your hands? And I would preach that. 
Ezekiel, son of man, if you find a man that doesn't know me and you don't preach him the gospel, his blood is, I preach that, preach that. Man, I have youth flooding to the altars. Their blood is on your head. <laughs> it preaches really good. <laughs> but it doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce life. Now, moms and dads, think about doing this with your kids. Think about it. If you don't get them to go to your slumber party, their blood is on your head. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> but I think that's kind of how, you know, that's kind of how we approach things. No, 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 no. Listen, the love of God and just experience through my relationship with the word, which is the expressed will and heart of God. God's heart breaks for people to know him. It does. That is on his heart. He loves humanity. He loves humanity. And I kind of think, this is my suspicion, I think that the closer we get to his heart, that the things that are on his heart revealed through his word, those things, they become our heart. You know how many things I'm doing right now, things I'm watching, things I'm drinking, things I'm eating that I never would have done had I not married this girl? I didn't know you could pull milk out of a nut. <laughs> you, you drink milk from cows, not nuts. No, you, you can get milk from rice. You can get milk from a lot of things. No, now, now I like almond milk and coconut milk and all these things. No, the thing is, you know, there's things that I appreciate, art, history. There's things I appreciate because as, I, as my heart grows closer to this woman, the things that her heart beats for, I begin to catch those things. And here's what God says in 1 Timothy 2. He says that he desires for all men to be saved. Now, we've always looked at that as a law to fulfill. And we've looked at that as a standard to uphold. And we've looked at that as a, um, a work to accomplish. But no, the love of God revealed through his word transforms our mission. God, these people are important to you. I want them to be important to me. And you know, that will transform your evangelism life. It'll transform your relationships. It'll transform your fruitfulness. And then you know what? Watch this, watch this. Take the pressure off of yourself of whether or not they say yes or not. Take the pressure off of yourself. You know, you ever liked something, like a movie, or you liked a, a restaurant, or you, you know, and you, you uh, shared that with someone else, and they're like, eh, I really didn't care for it. Like, it was you know? I mean, I'm sure you didn't, like, grovel and go, oh, no! No, you're just like, oh, that's cool. I mean, just, you know. My job is to share with you the things that have happened to me as a result of this great, glorious God that I've encountered. Make that attractive. Let it transform your missional motivation. You feeling that? All right, so let's just recap. We're going to talk about the word the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the relational transaction that we have with the word. We talked about that today. So what does this look like? How do we, what do we do with this tomorrow? Well, I think number one, it looks like 
before you open the word, whenever you do that, before you sit down on a Sunday morning at a life group, at, a, at coffee, whatever it is that you do, engage with God. Make, make it a relational conversation. Father, today, there's something about you that you are hiding in your word for me to discover. Father, I want to know your heart today revealed in your word. Father, I want to know your mind. I want to know the way that you think about this. Would you show me today in your word? Father, I believe that you have a word just for me from your word today. We're going to talk about all the purposes and the benefits of the word. It's insane what the word does for us. But it's not a scientific method. It is a relationship And so God says, listen, I will revive you and strengthen you. I will heal you. I will restore you. I will will help you fight. I will help you win. I will give you victory. And my word is a very critical component to all of those things. But it's only fueled relationally. So Antioch, we're going to elevate the word. And we're going to elevate our relationship with God through his word. Now, as we close out, how many of you guys can get on board with that? How many of you guys are excited to discover God in your word? I'm telling you, he has, he has promises, relational promises in his word. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I want to bless you. I want to pray for you.